0: In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I want to share with you something that is unimportant in the grand scheme of things that I learned as I was preparing for this for this little homily, and it concerns the folklore behind the flower plant Forget-Me-Not. Forget-Me-Not, for your information, Ari, is a beautiful little flower that a tattoo that I see on some of the co-eds around the, Christmas, the Clemson campus, uh, not too far from where I live, and very intrigued by them. <clears throat> but the folklore goes like this. A knight tries to pick flowers near the great Danube River, a swift section of the Danube River, and he falls in, being swept away in the current, as he looks back and he yells to his, his beloved, Forget me not! Now, I thought that was hilarious, but... Uh, <clears throat> Now I share that with you, that uh, inconsequential trivia with you is an introduction uh, into something that is very important, something that Jesus said to his disciples during their, their last supper together uh, on the night before he was uh, betrayed and arrested and tried in a kangaroo court and brutally beaten and then crucified. The next day, and clearly uh, on the night before his betrayal, uh, his earnest desire was that his people forget him not. Two times he expressed this. And here I'm quoting again from Paul. Well, the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you do this in remembrance of me in the same way he took the cup after supper saying this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood do this as oft as you shall drink it in remembrance of me jesus spoke these words from a love, from a heart of love he was speaking to people who were precious to him you and i want the people that we love <clears throat> to forget us not. If we are indifferent about someone, then whether they remember you or not or love you or not for that matter is really of no big issue. But if you love them, one of the most painful things in the world is to be forgotten by them. And our text implies the possibility of forgetting the Lord in all of his mercy. In fact, the Bible speaks not only a possibility of forgetting God, but the fact of forgetting God, his own people forgetting him. The Lord spoke in the book of Jeremiah and said, a maiden does not forget her jewels, a bride does not forget her gown, yet my people have forgotten me. I get that, he said, my people have forgotten me, not the stranger Not the people outside of his chosen flock, but his own people had forgotten him. So we, uh, who have never and will never be forgotten by God, forget God and all that he has done for us. What a shame. But isn't it amazing... Uh, How God has revealed himself in the scriptures to be vulnerable to some of the same pains uh, that human beings, that you and I feel, the pain of rejection, uh, the pain of betrayal, and ultimately the pain of being forgotten by people you love. God said a bride cannot forget her gown. Of course, a bride will not forget her gown, no more than a man forget his, his occupation no more than a man forget his finances, no more than a mother forget her child. You and I forget God because of our preoccupation with worldly things, as wonderful as those things may be, uh, which in the final analysis fade and and, and, and wither like the flower, uh, while we forget the most enduring and the greatest mercy of all. And this is precisely why... Jesus instituted the Last Supper, what the New Testament calls the Lord's Supper, what we call the Holy Communion. We take the bread, which is an outward and a visible uh, sign, which represent his crucified body and we eat it and inwardly digest it and he said, do this, eat this this outward invisible sign in remembrance of me and we do the same with a cup an outward invisible sign with a wine, an outward invisible sign we drink it and he said, do this in remembrance of me the Greek word for this is anamnesis which is the opposite of amnesia anamnesis is a vivid recollection we recall something so vividly that we almost relive it. I guarantee you that there are outward, invisible signs in your life, outward, invisible signs that can thrust you into a state of, of anamnesis, of a vivid remembrance, and it can cause you to weep, or to laugh, or to blush, to tremble. Just think for something, just for a moment, uh, that you have something special, perhaps at home, uh, that you have kept. Maybe it's hidden in a drawer somewhere. It could be hidden in a scrapbook. It might be a corsage that she once wore at a prom. Now it's pressed inside of some heavy book, and you look at the corsage and *Anamnesis*. you can still smell the perfume she had on, maybe. I don't know can still remember the songs that are being played. It could be a watch that used to belong to your grandfather, an outward, invisible sign that puts you in touch with a loving relationship. Jesus took these outward, invisible signs, said, Do this in remembrance of me. And words of the old, beautiful, spiritual, sometimes I really see it so vividly and relive it so vividly. Sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Now, this is not remembrance of a dead hero. But this is remembrance of the risen Lord whose death has secured salvation for his people. So yes, Jesus instituted this holy sacrament because he loves us. And it is painful to be forgotten by people uh, that you love. But he also wants us to remember him for our own sake. There, There are immeasurable benefits for God's people, for you and me, in remembering our Lord, remembering Jesus, does it not help us to bear rejection as we remember the way he was rejected, to endure loss as, we, as, as he lost? Does it not help us to endure our struggles as we know he struggled and endure hardships where Jesus himself endured hardships remembering Jesus does it not help us to forgive other people as we know he has forgiven us does it not give us hope when we look around this crazy and crazy world, it can bounce you around unmercifully. The remembering Jesus does it not give us hope when the world says it's hopeless? Does it not give us hope when we see sin begin to take us by the throat and just take over our hearts? Does it not give us uh, remembering Jesus give us hope as we know that with Him there is there is always mercy? Does not remembering Jesus does not give us hope when we see people that we love so much on their deathbeds? and not give us hope when we lay on our own deathbed. Now, I can get by without remembering Jesus. A whole lot of people do, apparently, at least for the time being, but I speak for myself, and I bet you that I speak for you too, I can get by, yes, not remembering Jesus, that is, as long as internal and external events proceed according to my plans, as long as I can keep at bay all forms of guilt and regret from years and years of things done and left undone, as long as I can gloss over the darkness and the cruelty in this broken world, as long as I can... Fend off their awareness that one day I too will die. For that long, I can't get by in this world without memory of Jesus Christ. But just as soon as anything breaks through my delusional reality, uh, as soon as guilt robs of my peace, as soon as the grim reaper comes knocking at my door with a scythe in his hand, then absolutely nothing will matter more than remembering my Lord and Savior, who said in, Re- in Revelation. I died, but behold, I live forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Well, I want to close now, but there's one little, one little last thing here. In light of these words that St. Paul has given us, I want to close with just a few words of a call to a kind of self-examination Apparently, the Corinthians, if you do the contextual study of what was going on there, apparently the Corinthians had woefully profaned the Lord's Supper. They had turned it into such a fiasco that remembering Jesus was just about the last thing in the world that they were doing. Remembering Jesus was something on the peripheral uh, at best. And so the apostle concluded with these loving but stern words, whoever therefore eats drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. So let a man examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks the cup. Now you and I are obviously being addressed here. Self-examination is of course something that is particularly useful at certain times or necessary at certain times and certainly before we approach the communion realm. So the question is, what do we need to find in our hearts as we examine them so that we will not be found unworthy as we take communion? What do we need? Do we need to find purity, innocence, blamelessness? Well, that would be a joke, wouldn't it? What we need to find in our hearts as we approach the communion rail is Jesus Christ and him crucified, As it were, before our eyes, the only ground of hope for the salvation of our souls, we need to remember Jesus in heartfelt, humble, utter gratitude as a forgiven sinner. And that is all. May God draw reluctant hearts and now give doubting souls courage to believe this for Jesus' sake. Amen.